Blog Talk Radio. Jackman, and we haven't been on the air in a while, Frank. I know we haven't. Uh, you've been kind of busy uh, doing... Right, uh, actually being out. in the mainstream. Yeah. But today we have an amazing show. We didn't schedule this till a few minutes ago, but I found out some things about my great friend, amazing comedian, world traveler, raconteur, risk taker, extreme sports enthusiast, airline pilot. What else can I say, Bobby? <laughs> now the reason for this call is uh well we connected yesterday after you had a little incident we won't mention names but one of the boston uh, well-known uh bookers gave you a phone call saying he wasn't happy with your rap uh act, your act that he didn't feel that a 70-something-year-old man should be doing rap music, uh, even this comedy. Do you want to add any comments to that? Because it actually builds on the story here. I just think it's incredible that uh, someone could find a flaw in a 72-year-old rapper. I don't understand it. I mean, I made a career change, and, uh, and uh, people don't go for it. There's nothing wrong with a, a, a white senior rapper. I mean, the biggest name in white rap is Eminem, and I want to be the first senior white rapper, Enema. Uh, <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, why should you, the young kids have all the fun? And obviously, you you still, you know, you may be chronologically 72, but obviously way younger in uh, spirit, attitude, outlook, uh, thinking, uh, craziness, whatever. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you just love to look <laughs> into the face of fear and the face of death without fear. Well, you know, Tommy, from the neck down, I'm 72. And from the neck up, I'm still getting zits. <laughs> and, well, there is one thing that, you know, is a recurring theme, because uh, I've known you for so long. And that is the idea of uh, cancer does scare the shit out of you. I mean, we have ah. to say that. Go ahead. Ah. No, I just am uh, very fearful. I, I sometimes unconsciously walk down the street and I'm checking my brain for brain cancer and I'm checking my breast and testicular. I walk down the street, people think I'm a pervert. I'm just checking for, for cancer. <laughs> Self-examination. That's right. You know, I'm not rectal. I'm just trying to check for hemorrhoids, for God's sake. <laughs> well, you and Miley Cyrus, everybody thought that she was being obscene, and she was just really giving herself a self-exam. Exactly. You know, I used to think 
flowers till I got to be 40. <laughs> well, you told me on our infamous trip to, uh, to, to the Czech Republic, I think the world should have ended after we did that trip because there was never anything. As, it was like Ike taking uh, Normandy the way we took the Czech Republic. Don't you agree? I agree. Great country, great people, and uh, I don't think they've recovered from our visit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you told me we were walking down a street one night, and I've, as you know, obviously, uh, you know, I've mentioned this many times on the radio that I had cancer as a kid, and you know, a survivor for fifty-five years, and uh, so I mentioned this when I speak to cancer survivor groups, you always come up. So, you, you know, don't feel that. Just because you got criticized by an expert in comedy this weekend, ha-ha, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but um, your words will resonate forever in, in mankind and humankind because I tell them that I have this crazy wild guy friend, uh, Bobby Seibel, who tells me that, and I will try to imitate him the best I can, Tommy! I know I got cancer, but it pisses me off. I just can't find the effing thing. <laughs> it's true. I, I know it's dormant, and it's going to kick in when I'm in about 98 or so. I know it's going to get me. I know it's going to get me. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thinking that we try to tell people not to have because you just might get it. I know. I know. I hope my whole life I deal with negativity, and it never happens. Right. Well, you know, you have a you have molded a character. I mean, I, I tell people that if you want comedic genius in a way of uh, Steve Martin, I read a quote of his years ago, and it really changed my whole outlook on how I would approach comedy. And he said that all great comedy is is caricature caricature caricaturization characterization that that the great comedians all branded themselves as particular characters jack benny cheap uh you know uh, steve martin the wild and crazy guy uh george carlin the hippy dippy weatherman uh richard pryor with all his crazy uh antics and, and on and on I mean, yep. so, and you, I tell everyone, are the ultimate in this because your two main characteristics, the ones that juxt, juxtapose, juxtapose, wow, I'm having trouble today, juxtapose perfectly is that you're cheap as hell and you're a hypochondriac. I'm a cheap hypochondriac. <laughs> and so you, know, you put those together, that leads, I mean, we've already discussed on previous shows the the idea that you'll go down and give you another self-examination, you'll, you'll give yourself a colonoscopy. Well, I'm not going for cancer checkup till Family Dollar has a clinic. Because <laughs> you can get your garden hose and your flashlights to give yourself right. a, a colonoscopy. I want my cure to be very cheap. There was a book written years ago about, it was a guy named Fulmer who wrote a book, Europe on $5 a day. I came back and rewrote it. It was Europe on two dollars and fifty cents a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I've traveled with you, so I know that's true. I still Look, haven't gotten over that VAT tax that you passed over. <laughs> the uh, 
what uh, yesterday. So yesterday when I called, Excuse one me, that's of my drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frank's getting a delivery. His pain meds. And Frank is the only guy in Southie that gets pain meds delivered, um, but uh, especially on Sundays. But uh, you know, we yesterday when I called you, we um, we were discussing. It's obviously comedy is not the 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 the, the cra- wild and crazy thing it, it once was when we were all making tons of money and working every day. And so, it's yeah. Of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but go ahead. I'm, I'm going to listen. Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, well, and so here, um, you know, it's obvious we, we're, again, we're not, uh, you know, raking in the cash that we, we used to at one time. And so, one of the agents said to me just recently, geez, I really feel bad for Bobby because he's not getting any gigs. And I responded. I said, really? You, you, do you, I hope you don't stay up awake at nights worrying about Bobby Seibel. He says, I don't understand. What do you mean? He says, you know, he's getting on in years, and, you know, gigs are getting tougher to come by, and I, I just feel bad for him. And I said to him, you remember what I said to you yesterday? <laughs> when was the last time that you were in Venice. And the agent said, what? What are you talking about? I said, what's that got to do with anything? I said, just answer me. When was the last time you in Venice? He said, now here's a guy in his 40s. By, the, by 40, how many times had you been to Venice, Bobby? Nine times. Eleven times. So I said to him, you're 40 years old. You've never been to Venice. Bobby has been there 11 times. I said, and you want to feel Bobby, bad for Bobby? So he kind of got the point. So yesterday, okay. when we, 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 we discussed this little incident with the, uh, the rap thing and the agent involved, you told me, I, I called you to say that I was taking a class in comedy with this said expert on comedy. And you said, yeah. without hearing everything I said, I can't do it next week because you're going to where? Ireland. You're going to Ireland for two weeks. Yeah. So I called the the agent who had never been to Venice and told him, don't worry about Bobby. He's on his way to Ireland for two weeks. And then I called you and I did a mock, um, oh, I don't know what we'd call it, but uh, a testimonial or saying that how bad I felt for you because I remember the days when a trip was, in fact, not long ago, what, six, why don't you give us a rundown of the trips this year? Well, we went to, let me think, we went to Santorini and Mykonos in Greece. Then we went to uh, Sicily. Um, just came back from the Ukraine. Uh, I'm just, I, I forget the other ones, Tommy. Uh, Turkey, we went on a, yeah, we went on a Turkey. <laughs> yep. my, my point exactly, Bobby. My, there's so many trips now you have a great traveling companion this is all going somewhere by the way and so she uh you're fortunate to have first of all somebody to travel with you used to do these solo i remember those days oh at the end yeah that's well the one thing we're going to talk about i was not by myself i was with another gentleman on the uh, diving things that we're talking about uh but uh, no, I used to go solo all around. I used to scuba dive in Phuket, Thailand. I scuba dived uh, in the Galapagos. Uh, I went to Indonesia, to uh, Russia, Ampat to dive. And um, as I was diving, I got so uh, enchanted by the dive that I went way past my depth. And 
Rumors of the dive, my dive body who was in Indonesia grabbing me by the fin, I would not be here talking to you. I've been displayed about 150 feet down. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you uh, did you get did you get any rapture bends anything like that that happened? No, because I'm German. We're used to being underwater. They call them U-boats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, you've you've invited me many times to go flying with you because, you know, I don't know if the world knows it, our radio world, but you are a pilot. I got it, yeah. I'm, oh, it's a private ticket, 172 Cessna. And I actually called one of my dearest friends, and I said, I got my pilot's license. You want to go flying with me? And he went out and partied with me for many years. He said, Bobby, I don't want to hurt you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get in a simulator with you. <laughs> you, uh, <coughs> well, the, the story that deterred me from taking you up on the office was you were coming in one day and you started looking at the chart. And then looked down at the altitude and I was about... 500 feet over a swamp before I uh, recognized that I was way below. I pulled the stick back and got it back to the airport, but I had to change my defense. <laughs> You're crazy, man. And, uh, I mean, you do. You look death in the face. I mean, um, you, you were involved in a motorcycle accident recently, dragged, um, what, 50, 60 feet? Oh, yeah. I, was, I looked death in the face uh, um, once. It wasn't death, but the second one I looked death in the face. I was uh, married and divorced the second time. That was looking death in the face. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually uh, uh, picked up on that, and I mentioned it. I, so what instigated this call today was your friend. Can we say her name? Diana, sure. Okay, so Diana Facebooked me this morning saying that her children were concerned when you go on trips that they were worried <laughs> about terrorists. Yeah. And, she, and I said, uh, terrorist, tell terrorist, Bobby's had more near-death experiences than anybody I know. Be concerned about yeah, Bobby. and Frank has said, well, the terrorist should be concerned about Bobby. But, <laughs> but uh, you, you know, you've come so close. I mean, how the hell could, you know, anything. Actually, you know, most people have a bucket list. By, by this time, Bobby, with all of the places you've f- frequented, um, what are you, down to a thimble list at this point, maybe? Yeah, I got a few more spots I'd like to go before I go into the uh, horizontal mode. Okay, so now she mentioned in in our uh, going back and forth messaging on Facebook that this thing with the diving, which I had never heard. So you you just got like like being in the plane and looking at the chart, not paying attention to the fact that you were flying in the air and, and scraping the tops of trees. You decided. <laughs> They were tall trees. <laughs> you decided on a 40-foot dive, you'd go all the way to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that was over in Indonesia. The incident, the incident that occurred that we were going to talk about that Diana mentioned to you, Thomas, was in a place called Dominica. And we had done the week's dive. And you have to give it a few hours before you fly because of the nitrogen and all that. you got to get out of your system. So I suggested to my friend Tom, who I go with on these trips, let's uh, rent a guide, get a guide, and we'll, a homeboy, you know, local, and we'll go up this 
well, maybe 3,000 feet on the top, you can see the Atlantic and the Caribbean. So we went for it, and uh, we hired the guide, and as we're going up the hill, the terrain seemed pretty easy, you know, and I'm bragging because I had walked the Appalachian Trail, and I hit a lot of heavy-duty uh, uh, terrain, and I said, nah, this is a, don't worry, we can do this. Well, it got a little rougher. It got to be like Vietnam, and then... Uh, the young guy is on his cell phone talking to his girlfriend. I goes, hey, do me better. You know, like, forget the cell phone because I want to get the motor of this gorgeous mountain jungle thing. And we're going, and he politely shut the cell phone off. And then we're going, and we're going. And we reach a cliff, and the guy steps up on the, uh, the rock, and he grabs a tree, and he gets up to the next level. And I said to my friend Tommy, you go next, and I'll stay here wait for you to get up. He grabs the tree, and he gets up, and then they wave me on. I grab the tree, and the tree comes out of the ground, and I go, I'm up, and I'm going down the slope, and um, luckily I got my momentum was stuck when a tree went into my left thigh, and wow. penetrated thigh within an inch of the, I think it's the femoral, femoral artery. So, Sorry, femoral artery, right. I'm laying there in, in the tree, impaled with this branch, and the young guy is screaming at me, don't move, don't move, just stay in that position, don't move. And I said, the hell with this. So I pull the branch out, and I fall on the ground, maybe seven feet, well, not a big deal. I fall back on the ground, and all of a sudden, I'm uh, losing gallons of blood out of this uh, this, uh, in, in, this incursion into my leg. But it wasn't the femoral panic because the kid freaked out. He thought he had ripped, uh, hit the artery. But it was all the tissue blood coming up. But it was a good, messy thing. And I'm laying there, and he had a very small medical kit, first aid kit, which was not apropos for this accident. So he takes off his sweaty T-shirt and wraps it around my thigh. And then my buddy had some cotton or something. So there was this makeshift, uh, you know, tourniquet on my leg. And uh, luckily, uh, by the grace of the army, uh, it was not punctured. And uh, I'm laying there, and we're about halfway up to the top of this mountain. And now, the kid, we're stuck in the middle of this mountain with a lot of overgrowth. And so, he gets on the phone and calls Martinique to get a helicopter to come in and help to get me the heck off the mountain. And he looks at me, he goes, Bob, is it okay if I use my cell phone now? (laughs) 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 He said, do you mind if I use the cell phone now? And I went, don't bust my chalk. I'm an amputee here. So the helicopter couldn't come in. So he calls a local town. They rush uh, an ambulance to the base. Now, their base is an hour and a half, maybe two hours down the hill. Well, these young men, these paramedics, they have, they need us. And we're going, I'm going on my butt, sliding down the mountain because I don't want to put pressure on this leg. And I got this makeshift tourniquet on. And we're going down the side of the mountain. And uh, about an hour, I forget how long it was, these four men came with a stretcher. And all the medical supplies, a good big, uh, you know, medical uh, uh, bag and everything, and uh, they cleaned it, 
they irrigated it. They applied, you know, the proper uh, tourniquet and the uh, the gauze to, to do it. And then they couldn't put me in the stretcher, Tommy. It was so, the angles were ridiculous. So it was like hanging on these two guys. And um, finally it took two and a half, I don't know how many hours it took to get me down to the ambulance. And I was in no danger now. I'm in this island called Dominica, and the roads are pretty well, you know, not well maintained. Well, they said to me, would you want to be strapped into the, uh, to the, the bed in the back of the ambulance? I said, oh, just let me sit back here. Well, the ride back was all S-turns going back down the mountain. And these guys were going, like, close to the speed of light going down the mountain. <laughs> I was bouncing all over the back. It looked like I was in the space shuttle with the zero gravity. I'm bouncing all over the place. I was more afraid of losing my head in the concussion than having the light off. So we get to the hospital, which was a pathetic sight, because, you know, it's a very poor country. And they bring me in, and a doctor to the cleaning, and it took about 50-something stitches to do it. And I walk out with my credit card, and they said, when you refuse payment, you're a tourist. I said, you've got to be kidding me. We refuse payment, you're a tourist. So I mailed them $200 when I got back to the United States. So that's the story of that incident coming down a mountain. Instead of just staying down and relaxing, I had to climb every mountain, so to speak, you know? Well, you know, and it worked out perfectly. You got the hypochondriac part covered with a near-death experience, and it, you got away cheap, 200 bucks. Oh, yeah. Imagine okay. if that happened in the United States. The, the, you know, a 200-yard ride in the ambulance would have been 200 bucks. Yeah, right. Now, the other story Diana was telling you about another one of my insane near-death, which you know, this one was self-inflicted. You know, like, well, it wasn't the tree wasn't. I don't know, the tree let go. I mean, maybe I've lost a lot of weight. I feel like I pulled a stupid tree. But the next one was a year later. I think it was 2010, 11, maybe. I'm in Australia, and we're diving on the Great Barrier Reef, and it was called something called a liverboard. And these are the, uh, the dives where you go out for eight days on a, on a, on a, on a vessel with a dive boat, and you have your room, and my friend Tommy and I had a room, and we have assignments which which tanks you put on, and so this particular day was the third day, and usually three dives and a night dive, which I often, I don't really get into night diving, because last time I did a night dive in Indonesia, a guy was down there, and wasn't looking where he was going, his fin knocked my mask off, so I was a little upset about that, about 30 feet down. So this one, um, one the third day in, the second dive of the morning, maybe my friend Tommy says, I got an ear problem. I'm not diving, so find yourself a dive buddy. So this dentist named David from uh, England, London, and he said, I'll dive with you. I'll be your dive buddy. And then the dive master, a beautiful man named Richard Kennedy from London, said, I need two men to go with me. And I said, hey, let's go, Dave. We'll go with Richard. And we get into the water. We check out. Oh, no. We get our... Tanks put on, we check the pressure, you know, all the stuff, make sure every, the BCD and all the equipment's functioning and the tank is full, I thought, because the pressure read full. And so, um, like 3,000, I forget what it is in, uh, in the south, but, but that's all right. So the pressure, everything was full. The tank was full. I get in the water and we give each other the sign and we submerge. And we get down to like 30, okay, let's go. We go to 60 feet. 
I check my dive computer, it says, been in there now 10 minutes, and the dive master says, let's go. So we are going behind the dive master in a, like a V formation, Davis to my left, I'm to the right, maybe a spread of 6 to 10 feet from the dive master, myself and David on the other side. Uh, 10 minutes, we're going about a minute, we're 60 feet going uh, horizontal, and about a minute after I looked at the watch, my whole system collapsed. The whole system collapsed, the mass just ruptured, and I started drinking the South Pacific uh, uh, involuntarily, and I am looking up, and I'm saying, this is it, I'm not getting out of here, 60 feet down, and I said, oh my God, help me, you know, I get very religious when I know my life is in peril, (laughs) but then I go right for the God thing, so uh, I'm like, you please, and by the grace of whatever you believe in, the dive master turned around to show us something on a coral reef. He saw me out of the peripheral of his mask. He spun on a dime. He kicked back. He slapped me on the shoulder because I'm gagging. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know how much water in my lungs. And he slapped me to bring me back to calm instead of the panic. And he uh, pulled out the, ma- uh, the, the failed mouthpiece, and they have... Uh, something called an octopus. Each diver has an octopus, which is an auxiliary. Uh, so threw it in my mouth, and I started to breathe, but I was full of salt, water, and then we came up to, I think, what's the check, 30 feet or 15, then you three minutes, three minutes. And we get to the top, you guys, and uh, we broke the surface, and uh, he looked at me, I looked at him, and David, uh, he had reacted during the situation, and well, three of us are at the service. This is no lie. Three of us kicked back our mask, and three guys were crying. Three guys oh, were crying. I mean, oh, three guys were crying, and we got back on the vessel, and uh, I had to force vomit to get the salt water out, and then they put my, took my gear off. And uh, nothing was being said. And then um, they sent me upstairs. They said, you know, let's take the day off. I said, so you don't have to force me. And I went upstairs. And then about a half an hour later, the dive master, who literally saved my butt, he was upstairs. And he's walking back and forth. I can see him. I said, gee, Richard, I owe you my life. He goes, I don't know what about. I says, and he's puffing on a cigarette. And I go, you know, Smokey, because I started about a half an hour ago. <laughs> I go, Gus, and I can see there's a very nervous bunch of people who work for this company. And I said, listen, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know what happened. I don't know where the malfunction was. But I want a new effing regulator, and I want a new effing mask, and I want a new effing tank here. Tomorrow morning, and they said, we've already got it out of the plastic. I had brand new gear the next morning, and I never called the company. I never complained, and uh, Richard and I, when we got back to Karen's, Karen's, whatever it is in Australia, took them out for lunch, and uh, I got home to the States and sent them $100 as a thank you gift. So that was the second story about another near-death experience. Wow. I, now, see, I never heard either one of these because the – they're recent. Oh, yeah. And, now, I'm, I'm and you worry I'm about 
cancer. Why, why the hell are you worried about cancer? <laughs> you, you, you could have been gone twice on these adventures. And then the motorcycle back in uh, 2000, uh, 2011, December 7th, I take the lousy motorcycle for a ride, and it was Pearl Harbor Day, and I'm the one who got bombed because I was driving <laughs> up the road, and a truck came by and sideswiped me and knocked me on my butt, and I'm laying in the and the twins come, and they said, right here, don't move, we'll get an ambulance. I said, let's just get me up, get the bike up, I'm out of here. He goes, no, no, because the guy who ripped me stopped, came back and said, are you okay? He says, I'm okay. Gave me $100 on his business card, and he said, call me if you need me. <laughs> the police came and said, where's the guy who hit you? I said, I told him he could leave. Well, I'll leave the experts out what the police were saying to me, but then they got the bike up, the bars were bent, the mirrors were shattered. I convinced them I was okay. He says, well, sign this release, and we can't stop you. I ride down the street with the bent bars and the shattered mirrors. A mile later, I have a spasm, and I go down again. And I'm laying in the street, in the middle of the street, and people are like, what the hell? And I'm, I'm laying there, and then I get up again. Some people help me lift the bike up, move it off, to the, off the road. A young police officer saw it. He was on a detail for the gas company. He comes running up. He goes, just take it easy. Sit down. We'll get an ambulance. I goes, look, I just want to get this bike back. He said, and he, he calls on his microphone, cancel the ambulance. And then he goes, what? And he goes, you're not the same guy who just got hit on Highland Avenue. I goes, yeah. And the guy goes, fuck, say, give it a <laughs> Two calls for the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about cancer. I'm worried about cancer. <laughs> well, cancer should be alerted that you're trying everything to can to beat it to the punch. <laughs> this is uh, well. God bless you. I mean, uh, I laugh at the people. You know, it's it, because of the industry we're in, and because of the agents. You know, everything is appearance. Everything is everybody yeah. judges everybody. It's kind of sad, and so. You you hear it and I hear it because of our ages, and, and yep. but it's kind of curious that there are a couple of other guys, Boston's better known uh, comedians, who are right in the ballpark with our yeah. age, but you never hear about them being, you know, categorized yeah. as old. Nope. But we always get the old thing. Well, let me say something to the radio audience. Tommy Hayes is one of the most talented, brilliant, and very, very, very human human being. You know, you get the real deal when you get Tom Hayes, because I've known Tommy for many years, and, uh, you know, the human being that's under the comedian, and a lot of comedians have a facade, and then you get to know him, and you don't want to be in the same room. Well, with Tommy Hayes, I slept in the same room with him, and he never laid a hand on me. I'm disappointed. <laughs> and you tried everything you could to seduce me, including not wearing your underwear. Um, no. You know, for God's sake, the Brazil used to hurt. <laughs> well, you are one of the most amazing. Uh, in fact, you were my inspiration, and uh, thanks for those kind words. But one of the reasons that I decided to retire uh, italics from uh, from the corporate world because you had been my inspiration. Because here you are, obviously, you because of your frugality, which I poke fun at. You have 
with limited resources and limited revenue, crafted the most adventurous, wonderful, indulgent life. I mean, do you you agree? I love you for that. that, See, because I'm so frugal, I can afford to drive a high-priced import. I have a Hyundai Accent, and uh, (laughs) it's a stick shift with no air. And no AC. I took out a poor lady one day, and she was angry. I didn't have AC. She goes, "You got no AC." I guess you got no CAR. <laughs> Frank wants to say something. You know, I, I, we're, uh, we're going to have to put out a terrorist re, uh, warning to the terrorists that you're coming. <laughs> You know, Bobby, when I would go on my trips uh, with my buddy Ray, and we always hit South America uh, doing these fishing trips, and, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, the amount of people who are not well-traveled, in fact, not traveled at all, and their perceptions of these third-world countries, and they're appalled to think, you must get it all the time. You know, this is what, I mean, this is what triggered this today, as Diana was saying, here, you guys are headed off to Ireland for a couple of weeks, and our kids yeah. are telling her, we worry about you because you might get whacked by a ter- terrorist. <laughs> and so I would always get these be carefuls. Do you get the same thing? Oh, yeah, of course you do, you know. I mean, terrorists see me, they ask me to join. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know, I have to ask you that. When you go to the airport, do you get profiled? <laughs> I'm the only guy that comes out of security with his underwear off. <laughs> you know, we do get profiled. It seems that the uh, Homeland Security profiles primarily invalids and old people. <laughs> I mean, is it true or what? I mean, I, I get scanned for a good half an hour before they'll let me through because of my uh, my artificial leg. Well, they know you're Yeah, and that too. Go ahead. They know they look at me and I look like the combination of a, a Christian Jew Muslim extremist. <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard you use that in the routine. Do you use that? I just come up with it. Uh, it's beautiful. You should you should use it because it's, it's a beaut. Um, it's tough to do now since I've retired. I took a false retirement <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, and since you're banned from doing any rap, but to get back to this being careful thing, I used to get used to argue with people. I said, "What the hell are you talking about? Be careful, be careful." Well, and you know, when people uh, come out with those statements, what they're really doing—it has nothing to do with you or me taking those trips. It has everything to do with their fear of taking those trips, and that's why they never go on those trips. And if they do go, they go with some tour that takes care of them from the second they hit. Uh, Logan, till the second they come back, you know they're they're associated with 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 like-minded and like-incomed and like demographics people. You're right. Whereas you and I will venture out into the um, wilderness solo. You got it. Yeah, it's a big planet, and life is getting shorter by the day. You know. You know what I said to. Uh, I used to. We got to the point where we we were ready for these uh, be carefuls, and I developed a little bit. 
and I would say, oh, um, no, don't worry. I said, well, I'd say, well, be careful of what? Well, you know, there's you know, a couple of Americans got killed there a couple of years ago. I said, oh, don't worry about us. I says, we pack iron when we go. And they'd be like, what? Yeah, I says, we pack guns. I said, um, you know, we don't carry them on board. I, that's not allowed, but we do put them in the suitcases. And so we, and if we can't do that, then we buy them. It's sort of stop, but when we get down there is to hit a, a gun shop yeah. and pick up, pick up a couple of firearms. <laughs> they're like, well, I says, and they're like, what? What are, you, what are you saying? I says, well, it's not just a fishing trip. I says, we consider it a hunting trip. I says, and what we're really looking for is, you know, a couple of the natives. And, you know, not, not many. I says, we like to get, you know, those who could be considered criminals. But we'll take a kid or, a, or a, an old woman down. It doesn't matter. But we like to wing a couple before we, uh, you know, th- that we consider to be a successful trip is to take down a couple of the natives. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, these, you know, I get these pauses. I says, last year when we were down in Costa Rica, I think we got four or five of them. I said, we didn't stop the car to see if they were dead or not. I said, we just kept on going. Uh, and finally, people would say to me, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> you know, you're, known, you're known by the company you keep. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for doing anything else you want to add here. Or say, now, when do you take off for Ireland? Tomorrow evening at 7.20 out of Logan. Get in around 6 and then uh, rent the vehicle, drive around. I've been there three times before, and they love the Germans, uh, so I always get the best room in the bed and breakfast. <laughs> now, do you have a planned itinerary or just kind of wing it? Uh, the planned itinerary is not to get killed when I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, is it just Southern Ireland, or are you headed up north? Oh, no, we're going to go, uh, we're landing Shannon, and go Carmel, go down the south to the Kelly Rings, and then uh, come over to Waterford, because she wants to buy some uh, crystal, and then uh, we'll probably get some crystal meth. No, I'm kidding, just the crystal, not the crystal meth. And, uh, <laughs> that you don't carry a video camera with you guys and, and document this stuff and come back and let me post it on Facebook and other social media because I think you could become an instant uh, millionaire with these stories. And, um, and the, book, the book is long overdue, my friend, so uh, I hope someday you consider that. I love you guys, Frank. I love you too. Everybody stay healthy and I'll give you a call when I get home. Thanks for the great stories, and maybe hopefully stay out of trouble over there, will you? And stay positive. It could be worse. I could be your relative. Exactly, leave man. Leave those terrorists alone. Uh, leave the terrorists. All right, Bobby, thanks, man. Love you, peace. Take care, bro. Yeah, and thank you, listeners, for uh, for tuning in. And uh, there we go, another episode. What do you think, Frank? Uh, it's just wonderful. I, I, I'm just... Speechless listening to these stories. Yeah, he is. A, he's an amazing raconteur and adventurer. Again, thanks so much, listeners, and tune in for the next episode.